Que Spooky Podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Guess Boogie Podcast. I'm Andres. And I'm Kevin. We're a podcast where we eat really spicy food and get really bad heartburn. And we're two guys scare each other with stories of paranormal encounters, urban legends, and true crime from around the world. Honestly, I keep thinking of my fucking bag of hot fries, but I know I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Hot fries. Fuck, they're so good. eat them in the morning. Bitch, what the fuck? First thing in the morning? Are you serious? Breakfast. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Oh, no, I should have made, like, an omelet with, like, the hot fries in it and some cheese. And people always be posting, like, weird-ass okay, videos Chinti. on YouTube. That's fucked up. Okay, Chinti. Shut the fuck up. Are you, you gonna gonna make the, are you gonna make the bag into a bow? Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not that. Interesting. That. And today we have a live audience. <laughs> yes. Is it too loud? I feel like it's, it sounds creamy. It might just be your microphone because I turned it up. Um, today we have a live audience. Yes. So welcome. We have Midori and Ivanisa here, and they have. Uh, <laughs> they're okay with us saying their names out loud on on air. And their last name and their address. I'm just yeah. Kidding. So, Ivanisa single. Hey, hit her up. She got an Instagram, but not a Facebook, because she's not like the rest of us <laughs> trash. <laughs> Okay, so what what do we got? What are we doing today? Or what's um, going on specifically? Yeah, what's going on with you? Um, so I killed your cilantro plant. We mentioned that in the last episode. I know, and now my basil plant is dying, and so is my mint plant. <gasps> and the catnip's Dude, already the, dead. The spirit of the cilantro the came back. The fucking cilantro came and bit back. The only plant that's alive is the creeping Jenny and the palm. Yeah. No, I did see your basil plant. It's Stop. been in that don't, corner for a while. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. I was it. like, ugh, gross. I what take is it that? out every day and then I like water it not too often, but I guess like I'm the spirit of death. I'm sucking the life force out of my plants. Or we have a ghost that's killing our plants. That's I'm going to say logical, it's the ghost. It's the, it's the ghost. It has to be. Um, I got a new job. Wow. Where are you going to work? Well, I know, but I want the. I can't. Oh, no, I'm not I want our say. listeners. I'm not. Gonna you say. can just say I'm going to work at a bank. You don't have to say which one. <laughs> you don't have to tell them and your last day you're gonna be like fuck you at your other job no that's what i would do i'm gonna say thank you so much for the opportunity and then i'm gonna run out um is anybody hiring because i'm getting ready to lose my job in a month yeah <laughs> and the covid numbers are going back up so i'm gonna have a very fun time trying to look for a job right now t yeah so who's going first today? Is it my um, turn? Yes. Okay. So 
I have a. (laughs) Okay. Wouldn't you like to know? I did. Demonic possession. Hmm. A, 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 A. I'm scared because I've been feeling weird the last week that I've been doing research on this. Oh my God. When I was finishing up my research yesterday, it sounded like someone was walking in the hallway. Oh, yeah. When you were like, hey. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Why? Why are you yelling? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so uh, my sources today are from Wikipedia, theatlantic.com from a magazine article, uh, bbc.com, newpoetry.com, and newoxfordreview.org. Okay, so what am I talking about when I'm talking about demonic possession? Well, this involves a belief that an alien spirit, demon, or entity controls a person's actions. Those who believe themselves so possessed commonly claim that symptoms of demonic possession include missing memories, perceptual distortions, loss of a sense of control, and hypersuggestibility. And the, I think the most interesting thing is that possession pretty much comes up in every religion. Yep. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, voodoo, uh native african religions all they have some sort yep they have some sort of like of demonic possession where you're taken over by a spirit or entity or something and and you act out of yourself Mm -hmm. so uh belief in demonic possession is widespread in the united states today polls conducted in recent decades by gallup and the data firm yougov suggest that roughly half of americans believe demonic possession is real the percentage who believe in a devil is even higher and in fact has been growing gallup polls show that the number rose from 55% in 1990 to 70% in 2007. There is no recent poll, so that number may be even higher now. Mm. Uh, as a result, demand for exorcisms or the Catholic Church antidote to demonic possession seems to be growing as well, though the church does not keep official statistics. Hmm. Why sure would they do. Yeah, they just don't report it. <laughs> it's it. not something they're going to talk about. So, Father Vincent Lampert, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, told me, and this is an excerpt from a magazine. When you say told me? Told me. This this is, (laughs) (laughs) not me, not me, but like the, what is it No, I believe you. The writer. I believe you. The writer (laughs) for the article. You fucking asshole. Shut up. (laughs) Okay. Father Vincent Lampert, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, told this person in early October that he'd received 1,700 phone or email requests for exorcisms in 2018, by far the most he's ever gotten. Father Gary Wright, uh, Father Gary Thomas, a priest who's training as an exorcist in Rome, was documented in the the Wright, the movie, mm-hmm. a book published in 2009 and made into a movie in 2011, said that he gets at least a dozen requests a week. Several other priests reported that without support from church staff and volunteers, their exorcism ministries would quickly swallow up their entire weekly schedules. That was a that was a good movie. That was a very good movie. That movie shook very... me. That was a movie with the the horse with the red eyes. Yes. Which that might be a topic in the future. Animals with red eyes. No. That's a that's a common motif. Not me. I'm getting goosebumps. Shut the fuck. <laughs> That was my least favorite scene in that movie. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. It's like, I know this is why you fucking brought it up. You didn't even let me talk about it. That part where the little kid's like, oh, you know, I go to sleep and I dream about this horse that bites me at night and he has red eyes. And then he's showing them the 
the scars that he or the bruises that he has on the his horse back munches yeah what the Punch. fuck and then it, like closer to the end of the movie where that father is like walking down like the stairs and he's like why are there hoof prints in the snow and then he walks down there and he's like face to face with the fucking horse with red eyes mm-hmm. i almost got the fuck up and ran out of that fucking movie theater right there Hell yeah. I was a little a little baby spooker, so I was very afraid by things. Not like I am now. I feel like I'm a seasoned veteran of scary things. So, okay. What the fuck? I didn't say anything. <laughs> okay, that's all you say. Okay, you sound like the meme. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like Jade, how she said that. I'm like, like okay. Kevin be like, okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. The church has been training new exorcists in Chicago, Rome, and Manila. Thomas told the reporter in 2011 that U.S. had fewer than 15 known Catholic exorcists. Today, he said, there are well over 100. Uh, other exorcists, the uh, the writer of this article uh, spoke to, put the number between 70 and 100. Again, no official statistics exist, and most dioceses conceal the identity of their appointed exorcist to avoid unwanted attention. So that people don't reach out to them directly. Mm-hmm. They have to go through other people. As many as 250 priests from 50 countries have arrived in Rome to learn how to identify demonic possession, to hear personal accounts from other priests, and to find out more about rituals behind expelling demons. Exorcisms remain controversial in part due to its depiction in popular culture and horror films, but there have also been some cases of abuse linked to exorcisms in a range of religious sects. Or, like, we remember the exorcism of Emily Rose, which ended up being... What was that lady's name? Uh, Emily Rose? No, the actual... Oh, um... I know everyone says Annalise, but her, she's German, so it's Annalisa. But yeah. I don't know her last name. Annalisa. I always want to say Annalise Vanderpool, like from That's So Raven, but that's not correct. But that's a Can very... Can create that with her? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Carpenter did a really good job in that movie. Okay. At that point, she had just been in, like, I think White Chicks. White Chicks, yeah. And so she was known as, like, a funny actress. And I think that year she won, like, the like the best turnaround or the best breakout performance or something like that. Because mm-hmm. it was like, what the fuck? This bitch is funny. What is she doing in a scary movie? And then she was yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a very good example of, like, how an exorcism went wrong. And the thing that I found out during, like, a lot of my research. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about it uh about the steps like here in a little bit but basically people that do get exercised for the most part it ends badly Mm -hmm. a lot of the cases that i try to look up to see if like the person was ever cured no that annalisa she died there was a kid in like the 90s he died there was a kid in the early 2000s he died there was like a nun back in the 80s she died so I had a really hard time trying to find like a good case that I'm like, oh, you know, let me find something that I can talk about and has a good ending. The week-long vacation course is ex- as described as the only international series of lectures of its kind. Entitled Exorcism and Prayer of Liberation, it's, it first opened its doors in 2005 and numbers of priests attending has more than doubled since then. The event cost 300 euros, 260 pounds, or $370. And covers a theological, psychological, and, anthro- and anthropological background to exorcisms. Father Gary Thomas, an American priest who has practiced exorcisms for 12 years, says that one reason for the increase is that as a society, we have begun to rely more heavily on social sciences, fewer churches, and, and uh, have less trained exorcists. 
The decline of Christianity has also led to an increase in superstitious practices. Uh, they talk about like maybe using tarot cards. They talk about using Ouija boards. They mm-hmm. talk about going ghost hunting. A lot of those things uh, can actually stick to you. Nuh-uh. Yes. Um, Ivanice actually... Uh, hi, Ivanice. Um, she bought me... <laughs> she went to the restroom. <laughs> um, she bought me uh, tarot cards because um, you're not supposed to buy your own. Yeah. So you That's have to... A, what, kind, what is that? A gift? No. Like, can you talk about the superstition? Like, why shouldn't you buy your own tar- tarot cards? Oh, I don't cards? know. I don't know. I just know you're not supposed to. So it's I bad luck. Know. Something oh, okay. bad's going to happen to you if you do that. Oh, Well... Thank you, Ivanice, for the tarot cards. I love them. But they're in Chinese. So I had to learn how to read Chinese characters to... <laughs> Sorry, continue. Wow. <laughs> um, Something that I do know, I, I didn't know it, or I didn't find it in any of my research material. But I know that when priests are studying demons, they have to be very careful because... Every demon has a sigil and they have a name. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you uh, draw out the sigil and say the names a few times, you actually summon that demon. Mm-hmm. So they have to be very c- careful about photocopying anything, saying the name out loud or like trying to draw the sigil for themselves or anything. Yeah. They have to be very careful. Usually after saying their names like a few times, they have to start referring to it by something else like a common word or a pronoun. Yeah. I guess because, and we've seen this before in a lot of exorcism movies where like the name is the power. If you have the name of that demon, you have the power over them. Mm-hmm. So it, it could either affect it negatively or positively, either to expel it or if you want to attract it, which who really wants to summon a demon unless you're fucking crazy as hell or you're trying to like do witchcraft on somebody that, f- that fucked with you. Me in high school. <laughs> Continue. That's why. That's the fucking ghost that's killing my plant. Is that fucking demon that's following oh, yeah, you it's around? It's my fault. It's your fault. <laughs> so in this article, it says that possessions don't happen overnight. It's a process, and it always requires an open door. Like I've said, playing with Ouija boards, seances, ghost hunting with friends. No matter how innocent it it, it may seem to you, uh, dark spirit dark spirits can take advantage of it and use it as an opportunity. Uh, So he wrote the book, An Exorcist Tells a Story, Father Gabriel Amorth, Chief Exorcist of Rome. He passed away on September 16th at the age of 91, identified the following stages of demonic activity. Number one is infestation. This is the haunted house type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Footsteps, voices, apparitions, furniture, or other objects moving without human agency. Odors with no discernible source usually smell like rotten meat or decay. Or sulfur. Or sulfur. Rather than directly affecting people, infestations affect only property, objects, or even animals. Number two is oppression. Activity steps up with physical attacks, sleep disturbances, including regular nightmares, frequent and severe illnesses, major depression or anxiety, severe financial or employment problems, and relationship troubles. While these things happen in the normal course of life, all of these happening at once or in rapid succession could be a sign of demonic presence. Number three is obsession. As the name implies, at this stage, the afflicted person has a hard time functioning. Being constantly preoccupied with thoughts of the demonic activity commandeering his or her life, and frequently with thoughts of suicide as well, sleep becomes nearly impossible. All three of these stages can be addressed by a competent deliverance minister. However, the last stage is reserved for official exorcists. So if you're just at the first three steps, you could Mm -hmm. actually go to your local church and have somebody come bless your house, um, read some scripture or read the Bible, and usually that can fix it. 
Mm-hmm. But that's, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is actual possession. When you get to the actual actual possession part where you need an exorcism, that's the part where people don't seem to fare very well. Mm-hmm. That This is the part where people actually pass away. Contrary to popular belief, possession is not demons entering a person's body and taking over his or her soul. A person's free will is never removed, only severely compromised. In a possession, a person is so physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually broken down... Uh, by going through all the other three stages that the demonic spirits are able to seize occasional control over the person's actions. So you, you, you know, it's like you're gone and then you come back. And we've seen that a lot in exorcism movies where like the person will come back and say, help me. And then it's like the demon again. It's like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, bring me a cheeseburger from Burger King. Very specific. Yes. That's what I want right now. Actually. Interesting. I'm hungry. Even though we just ate breakfast. I should have eaten those hot fries. I wouldn't have been this <laughs> See, hungry. I told you, you should have had your hot <laughs> fries for breakfast. Okay. While a telltale sign of uh, possession includes superhuman strength, speaking in a language the victim doesn't know, inordinate aversion to, hor- ho- to holy objects, to holy objects, knowledge of events or facts that the victim could not possibly know, and according, and according to Diocese of St. Jose Exorcist Gary Thomas, this story was made famous in the book and movie The Right, Changes in Facial Features. Now, an account from an article written by Dr. Richard E. Gallagher. This is the guy that I've been talking about. He is a board-certified psychiatrist who is a professor, a professor of clinical psychiatry at New York Medical College. He's also on the faculty of Columbia University Psychoanalytic Institute. He graduated from Princeton University and achieved his doctorates from Yale University School of Medicine. So this is the guy that I've been talking about. And uh, so I stumbled upon his uh, his article. He's written several articles about possession. And what happened was is he was brought in as a um, a priest went up to him or, you know, came out to him and asked him like, hey, would you be able to help me with some exorcisms? Can you uh, look at the more medical side of it and see if there's not something that I'm missing? Like to make sure that we're not treating this person and this person just doesn't have like dissociative tendencies or something like that. To just kind of rule out any medical conditions. Right, right. Um, he ended up being a believer. Hmm. So, and to this day, he he um, he still practices. He's still a psychiatrist. He sees people all the time. Um, he's got great reviews. None of the reviews really talk about like his work on demonic stuff. Or like exorcism, it's more of like, went to go visit the doctor today, he's so great, gave me a pres- prescription, I feel fine, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's more like that. Um, okay, so... Sorry, can I say one more thing? What? So, um, you mentioned the victims that experience this are usually speak a language that they really aren't familiar with. Uh-huh. In a lot of occasions, it's classical Latin that nobody talks, so it's like, how the fuck they learn, they learn it? Right. Koine Greek, which died out. Or classical um, Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. So usually when someone starts speaking classical Aramaic, it's like an old demon. It's like a demon that, you know, was alive during Jesus's time. Well, we can get technical because they're not technically alive. They've never walked well, you know the what earth, I mean. like their spirits. They, they've been around. They've been <laughs> enough to learn a language. <laughs> well, I feel, I feel like a lot of them have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have sigils. Yep. And then who's really keeping track? Like if we got a new demon yesterday, like who like, oh, by the way, here's a new demon. He is possessing people. Like we wouldn't really know. Right. Mm-hmm. 
back to the article. So he wrote an article for uh, New Oxford. And it's like, <laughs> I didn't pay, but I, you have to sign up to the website and then you eventually have to pay for the articles to read them. So mm-hmm. it was like a free trial for seven days or something. And you took the free trial? Yes. <gasps> They're going to charge us. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the expense. It's no. the, it's the what podcast expense. expense. <laughs> This is a free radio show. (laughs) Okay. So he wrote this article about um, her name is not Julia, but she goes by the alias of Julia. And then so now I'm going to read basically like what made him believe that exorcisms and demons were real. Mm -hmm. So Julia is described as a self-supporting Caucasian woman who lives in the U.S. She first approached her local clergy on her own, but was very quickly referred to an official priest exorcist. Who actually collaborated on the article a case of demonic possession is what the article is called she was convinced from the very beginning that she was being attacked in some way by a demon or satan during her lengthy evaluation she was eventually seen by dr gallagher who was asked to provide medical and psychiatric opinion julia was seen not as dr gallagher's doctor but as a consultant to the priest on the investigation julia revealed a long history of involvement with explicitly satanic groups she was raised catholic but no longer practiced the faith which, oddly enough, is she was asking for a Catholic exorcism specifically. She described herself as a priestess in these satanic groups. So she was pretty far in into the groups. Uh, Julia was not just trying to get the church to hire somebody to get her some psychiatric or medical help. She was in no way psychotic. She was consistently logical, intelligent, and even described as engaging despite the issues she was having. Periodically, in the presence of the priest and Dr. Gallagher, Julia would go into a trance state. People with mental health issues can dissociate, but Julia's trance were accompanied with a strange phenomena. Out of her mouth, she would shout various threats and taunts like, Leave her alone, you idiot, she's ours, leave you imbecile priest, etc. The tone of her voice would come out of her mouth, sometimes sounded guttural, sometimes masculine, and other times high-pitched. A lot of the comments during these trances or subsequent exorcisms displayed a contempt for religious or sacred objects. When she came out of these trances, she would have no recollection of what had occurred, and Dr. Gallagher states that an experienced psychiatrist might conclude that they were probably dealing with a dissociated person, or more precisely, a uh, dissociative identity disorder, but what made his diagnosis implausible was that there was other phenomena happening around Julia. Because of the complexity of the case, they had to assemble a team. Uh, The group consisted of four Catholic priests, a deacon and his wife, two nuns who were both nurses, nurses, they're both nurses. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> so one of the nurses was specifically a psychiatric nurse and uh, also Dr. Gallagher along with some lay volunteers. Do you know what a lay is? Um, can you spell it? <laughs> L-A-Y. Can you use it in a sentence? Let me just read you the <laughs> what it means. Okay. Lay or lady. If you are a member of a religious group, but you are not an ordained minister or priest, when you're a member of the laity, sometimes members of the laity will play a role in the church service. For example, doing one of the readings or running a youth group or holding the little the little uh, pitcher of wine or giving out. You know what I mean? Like they're the people that get up when it's time to like when you're in mass or they're ushering people out the door. Mm, they're not okay. like they're not officially ordained, but they're part of the church. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Um. So, during some of the phone calls the team made to each other to arrange gathering times to help Julia, Julia's other voices would interrupt the phone conversations they were having with each other, and her voices that she made would come over the line and interrupt them. 
when she was nowhere in the vicinity, not on the phone call, nowhere. So it was like me and you calling each other mm-hmm. and I'm talking to you about work and Midori over here is possessed, for example. And then Midori's <laughs> voice comes over the phone and it's oh, like, no. fuck you. I'm going to kill you. Oh. So it's like, and that consistently happened a lot when they oh, were on God. the phone. Uh-huh. Uh, Outside of her trances, Julia displayed psychic abilities or put in another way, her presence was associated with paranormal events. Sometimes objects would fly off shelves around her also known as psychokinesis and parapsychology. Psychokinesis and telekinesis are not the same thing. Can you explain the difference then? Wow, thank you for asking. Yes, okay. I will explain. <laughs> so psychokinesis is basically like when you're you're just hanging out and shit's just flying around you. Mm-hmm. Telekinesis, the way I read it, was the effect your mind has on an object. So you focus on that object and you make it fly. That's mm-hmm. telekinesis. The difference was is that she was just be hanging out and then all of a sudden like chairs are moving around her and like curtains are flapping and books are flying. So that's the difference. Psychokinesis and telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also had knowledge of things that are occurred beyond any possibility of her knowing. She commonly reported information about relatives, uh, household compositions. Um, and these are the people that were in the team. So she would talk about their family. Mm-hmm. Um, family deaths and illnesses of members of the team without having observed or been informed about them. An example is that she knew one of the team members, family members, personality and exact type of cancer they died of. So one of the members, she was like, Hey, I know your mom. She was this and this type of person. And she died from this type of cancer, like in her voices. Mm -hmm. Um, she spoke of one of the team members pets, having a really violent fight the night before at 2 a.m., even though the team members lived a couple of cities away, saying something like, those cats really went berserk last night, didn't they? As if she had caused those cats to fight. Oh, my God. As another example, Julia once described not only the actual surroundings, including the decor of his room, but the exact state of mind. And I guess that priest was feeling skeptical and dismissive about this case that he was helping with. Um, and she had never met him yet. He was helping them from afar, like kind of doing research. Mm-hmm. But she knew this guy and she knew his name. Not anybody had never mentioned him or anything, but she knew. Uh, the facts were subsequently precisely confirmed. Julia could also consistently depict from afar with amazing detail the activity of one of the principal priests involved. She would rep- repeatedly report from her distant vantage whether and when he was in pain because uh, he suffered from a recurring illness. Often where he was, if he was walking on the beach or at the mall or something, and remarkably, even when he was what he was wearing at the time, like a windbreaker. So this priest was not in the room or anything, and she knew exactly what he was doing at all times. Wow. Uh, so finally on to the exorcism. Despite that it had been a warm day in June, the room weather where the rite was conducted grew distinctly cold. Later after the ceremony had started, Julius spat and shouted vitriol. Members of the team started to sweat profusely due to the stifling heat emanating from Julia. Specifically. Mm-hmm. So the room's cold, but this this girl's like a radiator. Like, she's hot. Mm-hmm. Making everybody sweaty. All the participants said that they found the heat unbearable. Julia at first had gone into a quiet trance-like state after the prayers and invocations of the Roman ritual had been going on for a while, however. Multiple voices and sounds came out of her. One set consisted of loud growls and animal-like noises which seemed to the group impossible for any human to mimic. At one point, the voices spoke in foreign languages, including recognizable Latin and Spanish. 
Julia herself only speaks English, as she later verified. The voices were noticeably attacking in nature and often insolent, blasphemous, and highly scatological. They cursed and insulted the participants in the crudest way. They were frequently threatening, trying it appeared to fight back. Leave her alone. Stop, you whores, to the nuns. You'll be sorry, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Julia also exhibited enormous strength. Despite the religious sisters and three others holding her down with all their might, they struggled to restrain her. Remarkably, for about 30 minutes, she actually levitated about a, hu- a foot and a half in the air. Wow. The presumptive target of the exorcism, the entity or entities that was possessing Julia, could also distinguish between holy water and regular water. She would scream in pain when the blessed water was sprinkled upon her, but had no reaction to the to the tap water. During the ceremony, she also, as previously said, revealed hidden or past events in the lives of various attendees, including information about deceased relatives completely unknown to her. Wait, I'm sorry. They used tap water? Yeah, to test to see if she was faking it. Oh, okay. I'm like, why would you bring tap water to a possession? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to remember that this article was written by the psychiatrist. Oh, so he, so he was, was there. To, like a, yes, he was like trying to say, like, is she it. faking it? So at the same time that this is all going on, he's trying to disprove what's happening. And he can't. He can't. Not not the not the knowing other languages, not the her floating in the air, not the her, like, knowing things and, like, the psychokinesis. Like, there was no way for him to explain that. Mm-hmm. They should have used Voss water. Fiji water? Evian water. Evian Everyone knows Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow says that that water is really good for your skin. Hell no. That'll burn anyone. You don't have to be possessed. <laughs> but that water do taste good, though, and it's kind of expensive. Evian? Evian water tastes good. You know, it's naive backwards, right? And? Because it's just tap water. Bitch, I'm about to drink my naive water and what? And naive what? water. I'm about to put some my fucking Kool-Aid in there. That Kool-Aid tastes delicious in that bottle. I don't know anyway, if it's the bottle or what it is, but that water tastes good. It's the bottle. Yeah. That's... Okay. I was hoping that this case had a good ending, but it did not. You're really good listen, at that. Listen to this shit. So, Julia never finished her exorcisms because she was wishy-washy about it. She didn't want to be possessed by the by, by the demons anymore, but she enjoyed, like, her powers that she got like her supernatural abilities oh my god she was enjoying the psychokinesis way too much she was enjoying the like what do i want to call it the power to levitate no she's like i i don't want i'm not earthbound anymore she's like (sighs) don't have to pay for gas flying to work hell no is it worth it it what's that word for knowing things in the future or no not psychic um like precognitive her precognitive abilities there you go that's what she was enjoying it too much so she never finished her exorcisms good party tricks honestly um (laughs) a couple of years later it turns out she called dr gallagher and told him that she was dying of cancer he tried to help her he said hey like i can set up i i'm in the medical community like you know i teach at these colleges i can get you the best oncologists you know, come to come to New York. Like, we'll we'll get you treated. Like, I'll help you for free. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Yeah." Never reached out to her again. And I, he has never been able to get a hold of her again. So presumptively, she died of cancer. She's dead. Wait, can we verify that? Or like, like is that something that we can yeah, let confirm? Me, let or? me just click, 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 not like that. But I mean, like, is there anything online that says like whether she did or not? Or if there she... are, she's they're not talking about it. 
because first of all, her Julie is not even her name, so I wouldn't know oh, where to look true. up. Julie is an alias. Oh my god! And she grew up to be Marianne Williams. And there's HIPAA laws, so he might not be able mm. to disclose whether she's yeah. alive or not. That's true. He might know, but he can't talk about it. But anyways, that was the case of Julian, like Doctor Gallagher to be Hillary Clinton. Oh, and Doctor Gallagher is actually currently on a board of exorcisms. <laughs> He's like the medical resident of the of the board of exorcisms. And he continues to write articles about this. And he's like, this shit's real. Mm-hmm. Like Cardi B. This shit's real. Wow. Shook. Was that the end of your story? I'm sorry. Yes, that's it. That's oh, it. good job. That was six pages. Clap, clap, clap. <sighs> so time for the palate cleanser. Hey, hey. Okay. Do you have anything? Um, I'm just a robot. I just live here. I let you run the show and I'm just an actor. Okay, love that for you. Okay, um, so <laughs> I don't really have a lot for a palate cleanser, but because um, honestly, these are just things I think about throughout the day because I'm dumb. Okay. Um, You're not, <laughs> but okay. It's because I'm quitting my job. Duh. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, number one, <laughs> imagine if you had SpongeBob music playing IRL. It's like during my life? Yeah. That... Yes. That's my favorite one. I like the one, the outro, the outro music. The ding, 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 ding. That's the one I was just singing. No, it wasn't. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I can't hear the difference. Wait, hold on. Let me say, say it again. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just changed it. Yeah, you just changed it. That's the noise of the instrument I'm making. I don't know what instrument hmm. that is, but it quacks. Interesting. Okay, what's what? What do we got next on the list? Okay. Um, uh, any al- Can you think of any album that you would, that you could re-listen to for the first time? Come on, like any anything in middle school, high school, <sighs> a recent, I guess. Mm, I feel like there are a lot. That changed my perception of music, but most recently, the album that really changed my perspective on like what kind of music I liked was probably Goddess by Banks. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was like some like dark hoe music, some witchy shit, and I was yeah, like all was for good. it. That album was good, and that I wish was... I could re-listen to it because Alibi continues to be my favorite fucking song to this day, still on my playlist, and that. That album came out in 2016 or 2015 or something like that. What about you? For me, well, not that you're talking about it like recently. Recently, it probably have to be like the Weeknd's album, uh, Beauty Behind the Madness. But if we're going to go back, any album by Paramore. <laughs> yeah. If I could re-listen to any, I like having to like, like when you listen to a song now, it's like, damn, I wish I could re-listen to this for the first time. <laughs> You remember we went to that Paramore concert at the the Zoo Amphitheater? Yep. Uh, and I remember Haley Williams got up there and she's like, now guys, I just want to say that like when I wrote this song, I was in a different mindset. Like yeah. I was not tolerant. She had just blah, been blah, blah. out of high school. Yeah. She's like, the person that wrote that song then is not me now. And then she started singing it. What's the name of that song? Misery Business. Misery Business. Someone? Yeah. That's yes. why she said it. Because she's like. Uh, I don't want to seem like that person, but um, I was that hoe. She sang that song to me, and oh, I was like, "Fuck that, that yeah, dedicate- I'm a hoe. You? Hell yeah, I'm a hoe. I'm a thought, and I do what I want." And I was like, "Yes, Haley Williams, fucking destroy me, murder me with your music." 
What are you talking about? Like when you were in middle school? I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> like, obviously, like, I wasn't okay. a hoe, but like that song, like I was know. like, hmm. Shut maybe, the fuck up. Okay, maybe because maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know, but I didn't. I don't know what the song was about. Uh-huh. <laughs> what the fuck? I was just like, you know what? This a vibe when I was like thirteen or something. I don't know. Well, I guess. Uh, an album i guess from a long time ago would have to since you did a recent one and an old one i mm-hmm. want to do my old one too because i want to be like you okay because you're my hero sure <laughs> um i think it would have to be oh okay since you're taking too long um any album by my chemical romance i don't know the name of it but it's the the one with um i'm not okay is on it um, I would have to say that it's the album by El Chichiquilote. That shit <sighs> fucking changed my life. <laughs> that was a fucking staple at birthday parties, okay? The first time I fucking heard that little Chichiquilote sing, I'm like, hey, hey, this is like kids' bop, but for Mexican music. Hey, hey, hey. I was having a good ass time. Right, Evanisa? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, what's your next, next thing? Or are we anyway, going to start on your story? Yeah, that, your, your thing derailed us. <laughs> you took too long to think about something. Well, you can just edit it out and make it seem like I took two oh, seconds. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I will. Actually, I'm just gonna cut out that entire section. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> um, so my story today, <gasps> what is it? Is the Crona the Catskills? Do you know it? Do is that a bird? It? The Crona the Catskills. How do you spell that? C R O N E. Oh yeah, no, I have no idea. I what? had to look up the word crone. It basically means an old woman. Oh, okay. But I'll explain. So, my sources were um, a YouTube video by Paranormal Captivity by Kat Rao, an article on Week and Weird by Greg Newkirk, a Reddit post by Wigged Hiker Throwaway on r slash paranormal. His username, (laughs) because it was a throwaway account, it's uh, Wigged Hiker, T-H-R-W-A-Y, so I was reading it as three-way, and I'm like, three-way? What is that? It's th- throwaway. Why don't people just do T-A for throwaway like other people do? Are you know. really going to sit there and type blah, 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 throwaway instead well, of just T-A? Throwaway. T-H-R-W-A-Y. Okay. And Wikipedia. So. This here. ain't, we're, we're not writing for a fucking college essay, so we're allowed to use Wikipedia here. Okay. So. In early January 2016, literally the first week of the new year, a man named Danny and his friend are hiking in the Catskill Mountains in southeastern New York State. Uh, they eventually began to veer off the main path and ended up in a small cave system. Um, and around this area, I guess there are rumors of people visiting to worship uh, dark entities and commit animal sacrifices. So they came upon what appears to be like a small campsite and a small wooden statue covered in leaves, dirt, and a small portion of hair. Are you starting to remember this? No, keep going. Well, I kind of brought this up in the last episode when I mentioned... um, Fuck, I forgot. Um, But I... You know, go ahead and listen to that last episode. Let me know. F's in the chat. Oh, you... Um, that was the smell of old, musty, yeah, yeah, yeah. decay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. So they... The statue is humanoid in appearance. It's uh, wooden and hand carved and it has three nails hammered into each eye socket and there's a small rope noose tied to its neck 
So Danny's a bit hesitant on taking the statue, but his friend insists that he's uh, just being superstitious and he takes it home. There's always that friend, huh? Um, so a few days later, he calls Danny and says that he thinks the object may be haunted. Uh, these are Danny's friend's initial, ex- initial experiences. Um, it started with banging and knocking sounds around his apartment. Um, he would wake up in the middle night, middle of the night and felt that someone was watching him. Uh, he began to notice that the statue would not be in the same place where he had originally left it. Um, along with that, um, a strong smell of pond water would periodically appear in the apartment. Wait, this does sound familiar. Mm-hmm. This is okay. So the the podcast, uh, Two Girls One Ghost, um, they did an episode about this, and this was like the first few episodes that actually gave me chills. Because like usually I can watch any scary movie or listen to anything scary, and it's like I don't feel anything. I'm trying to feel something, you know. Um, but this one, <laughs> um, like I was saying earlier, we're so desensitized to all of it. Mm-hmm. that i mean like it's like a great story and a good read but it's like i'm not really scared of it anymore yeah no this one was like one of the first few stories that actually did give me chills um so the his dog avoided the statue and started having accidents around the house uh one night he wakes up to someone knocking at his door at 3 a.m when he went to open the door nobody was there there were no cars no one on the street um as he's standing outside he gets an overwhelming feeling of regret as if he shouldn't have opened the door uh, he ends up going to Danny's house to try to forget about the incident, but then the next night he goes back home and doesn't feel anything unsettling, so he stays the night. So he left his house in the middle of the night? Um, when I don't went? think so. A lot of the sources really didn't give exact uh, day by day. But, but that'd be some creepy shit, too. I would leave my house in the middle of the yeah. night. I mean, I think he was nervous, so he went to Danny's house and then was like, whatever. So, in the middle of the night, so this is the next day. Uh-huh. In the middle of the night, he's woken up by his dog barking and freaking out. When he goes to investigate, he smells the pond water again. Uh, this time, he notices wet, muddy bare footprints all over his carpet leading towards the statue in the living room. Oh, hell no. What the fuck? So it's like dirty and wet. Like it has a piece of like mud in the footprints. <sighs> um, when Holler. he goes to pick it up, he starts to hear heavy breathing, which wasn't coming from him. He described it as sounding like his grandpa with a tra- tracheotomy. Tracheotomy. Okay. Tracheotomy. A hole in, a hole in his throat. Mm-hmm. That's how he said that it sounded like. So very labored and heavy. Um, so he leaves the house again and goes to live in Danny's guest room with his dog. Because at that point, he was just like, fuck this. Uh, Danny claims at this point, he starts believing him more because his friend even started to cry. Danny knew that he had no reason to lie about something like that because at that point, it had gone too far to be a joke. Uh, Danny ends up going to Reddit for advice from the paranormal community of the incident and the statue. Um, the consensus the consensus from Redditors is to return the statue where they found it and leave an offering to appease it as an apology for taking it. Um, others warn not to destroy it at all with any element, whether that be burning it, drowning it, or burying it. One person suggested contacting Greg and Dana, who own a con- collection of haunted objects with which they travel around the country in a paranormal museum called the traveling museum of the paranormal and occult. So mm-hmm. first of all, you don't burn it and drown it because you release a spirit. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's why they were saying like, do not do that. Yeah. There I've been on Reddit on some of those paranormal threads where people pick up shit that like is haunted. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff is weird. Like a lot of people fucking love to pick up rocks and coins from this like abandoned ghost town out in the west i think it's like nevada or something Mm -hmm. maybe new mexico 
And then, like, they start losing their jobs and they're getting divorced. Oh, I know what you're trying to do. And I'm just like, oh, my God, why why the fuck would you test it to begin with? Yeah. Like, I know that you can be a skeptic and I know, like, but it's like after hundreds of people say the same shit. What makes you think you're going to be the one exception? Right. Yeah. It's like if one person tells you something, they might be wrong. But if several people tell you something, they're probably right. And you're just an asshole. Yep. So Danny and his friend eventually meet with Greg and Dana where they agree that they should return the statue where they found it. Um, So Danny mentions to them that he is scared to return it because he doesn't want to meet whoever put it there to begin with. And these are the people that have the traveling. uh, Yes. Okay. They told him like, yeah, you should probably return it. But they also did mention if they aren't able to return it, that they would take it as a donation. Uh, It's kind of funny because on the website, um, it says um, donor asks to be to remain anonymous but it's like in other sources it's like his name's danny <laughs> <laughs> it was that that guy right there danny that's or, his or maybe, address maybe like that that's not even his name maybe that's just like a an alias or something they're trying to dox him um so they later receive an email from danny saying that he and his friend went to the friend's apartment to retrieve the statue and that they were unable to return it to the place they found it why so the following is what happened. <gasps> what the fuck? So Danny and his friend end up going back to their friend's apartment at night. Um, so I did confirm. First mistake. <laughs> yeah. First mistake right there. The friend's dog refuses to go back inside. So the dog's okay. like, uh-uh. warning sign, red flags. Yeah. That's what the dog said. Um, the smell of pot. <laughs> so <laughs> the smell of pond water is abnormally strong. And they notice that the statue isn't in the living room anymore. They find it in the middle of the hallway, but it looks like it was thrown against the wall with heavy force to the point where it caused a huge crack on the wall. You know what I think about when you said like the muddy footprints in the hallway, mm-hmm. that scary movie too, where the girl comes out of the the TV and Brenda's like, Cindy, this bitch is messing up my floor. Uh, no, she says, uh, uh, Cindy, your TV's leaking. <laughs> That's what she says. Oh. <laughs> um, oh no. And then she like, Never mind. Whatever. So they apologized to it and began to tell it that they plan to return it back to where they found it. Um, just then, the dog the dog starts to howl uh, and bark. So they run to the living room where they see a figure of a naked old woman covered in water and crouching near a corner of the living room next to a bookshelf. Like, and, like real, like real ass person. Yeah. Not like kind of like faded, nope. not like they a shadow. They both witnesses and both men said that the woman had glowing red eyes. <gasps> No. Oh, hell no. I'm out of there. <laughs> I would have ran yeah. out. And they did. They ran out of the apartment and both and they both agreed that they do not feel that returning back to the cave would be good I- a good idea. Oh my God. That's giving me the chills. What the fuck? I know. Imagine someone at your house. Shut the fuck up. As I say with a live audience. Hi, friends. <laughs> 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 they do eventually return to the apartments. I think the next morning... Yeah. There was no sign of the naked old woman, so they put the statue in a pillowcase and send it to Greg and Dana. That's only half my story. Oh, my God. Jeez. Oh, okay. okay, keep going. So, while in their possession, Greg and Dana complete a routine check on the statue like they do for any other haunted object that they want to introduce to their home. Uh, one thing that they notice about the statue is that although the wood and the nail seemed noticeably old, the rope around the neck seemed new. They said that it would have been around like an, a year old. Uh, that same night, Greg and Dana hear a loud thud from the room where they left the statue. 
When they enter the room, they believe that it may have been their cats, but their cats had actually been hiding under a table for a while, avoiding the statue. They initially didn't notice anything out of place until they start walking out of the room. Greg narrowly misses stepping on a small figure of Jesus that Jesus that had been attached to a cross that hung on the wall, except the Jesus figure had a missing arm. The nails to the crucifix were also missing. Okay, I just want to say that... Um... So cats ward off evil spirits in anything that I've ever read, right? They like they're protectors. They mm. help you. They they keep your spirit. That's why witches carry that's why cats are witches familiars. They use them to protect them from evil spirits and to harm and from harm. I don't know. Well, that's what I Have know. Have you been watching is. The Mummy without me? Uh, no. I'm just kidding. I just know that. But like if your if your cats are supposed to be your protectors and they're scared, mm-hmm. you need to think about what you're doing. Make you know, think about your life choices because yeah. that's scary to me. Because your animal will jump in front of a fucking car for you to save you. I don't know about your cats, but I know your dog would. And if your dog's scared and so is your cats, like you need to. There's something there. Yeah. Or you have termites in the walls. Either way. So that's when he realizes that the arm. Uh, on the Jesus statue was still on the cross. So it appears that the Jesus figure had actually been ripped from the cross and thrown to the other side of the room. You can actually look at pictures on this. So you can look up. But yeah, it doesn't look like it fell off or something. It looks like it was torn off. Damn, that old lady is the worst roommate I've ever heard of. So this incident prompts Greg and Dana to set up a motion sensor camera in front of the statue. A few days later... While they have that statue in their possession, Greg mentions to Dana that he has a severe stabbing pain in his stomach that lasted for a week. And there's more on that later. So on March 2nd, 2016, around 3 a.m., the camera detects the statue moving on its own. The statue in the video is surrounded by other objects, but only the statue moved in it when the camera footage was reviewed. Like you can see the video on like YouTube and see how it like wobbles around sometimes. Um, A few weeks later, they start smelling an extremely strong smell of pond water throughout the house. A few days after that, Dana finds wet footprints in the back of their couch. Um, Dana actually accused Greg of having showered and stood on the couch. And he was like, what the fuck? Like, there's a picture about this. Like, imagine our couch over there. And it looked like someone was standing on the back of it. Like, there are footprints. Like, wet footprints in this photo. (laughs) what i'm sorry i could just imagine the wife being like you motherfucker why would you stand on the couch like that when you're wet yeah he's like dina i haven't showered in like a few hours (laughs) no he did say something like that (laughs) he's like he hadn't showered for like a few hours before that the crone is the worst roommate she fucking like destroys your house makes messes and tries to break up your marriage hold up hold up i wouldn't be talking shit so soon without hearing the end of this okay keep going so the smell of pond water lasts for days to the point where it became unbearable so if you can imagine nasty too it smells like fucking trapped water like shrek's house Like, I don't, I can't even do, like, tadpoles, like, tadpole smell. Tadpole smell. And, like, moss. Mine's better. And algae. The smell of Shrek's house. Well, that's what Shrek's house smells like. It smells like moss and algae and tadpoles and... Tadpole? What does a tadpole smell like? They smell bad. When have you ever smelled a tadpole? Do they smell bad? Tadpoles smell bad. I had a pool in Florida, and when we just moved in that house, 
that that pool was full of frogs and tadpoles <gasps> and that pool had a smell and it's that that oh, pond okay. smell that you're talking about that's yeah. what that pool smelled like okay then use that as green. a reference yes i can't I, i've never had the luxury <laughs> you've never lived in the <laughs> i have the, never had the luxury to smell a tadpole in <laughs> the tropical but, climate of florida oh i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, so Greg explains that some haunted objects tend to have tantrum-like behavior, whether it will cause paranormal activity if it doesn't get attention. So Greg- paranormal, paranormal items are just like cats. Exactly. Oh God. So Greg plans to talk to the statue and mentions that if they hadn't taken it in, who knows what would have happened to it. He asks for mutual respect and, in a way, threatens it with being locked in a box with like solitary confinement. So while he's talking to the statue. Dana claims to hear water running in a different room. Uh, she calls for Greg so they can check it out, but just as sudden as it's, the sound started, it just stopped. They then hear a large thud from the living room. Uh, they realize that the statue had fallen off the table and rolled under the, t- under the TV stand. When Greg gets down on his knees to reach for it, Dana screams and runs, runs up to him to catch the TV that had started to tilt and fall towards him. So she saved him. Dude, this story should, instead of the Corona of the Catskills, it should be the bad roommate of the Catskills. Okay. Like, they literally had a conversation with the statue, like, I need you to wash your dishes. <laughs> and you like, stink. Take a shower. <laughs> like, you know what? You need she to respect us because we both live here. And she turns the faucet on. It's like, this? Um, they She's not hear, even paying rent. They then hear three hard knocks on the wall. They were so hard that the lights flickered. This made them decide to just lock the statue in the box. So, dang, dude, this isn't even the end of it. Hurry up. <laughs> Who we wrote got, these notes? We got guests. We're going to watch scary movies. Hurry up. Okay, so today the statue is a part of Greg and Dana's Traveling Paranormal Museum where it is completely prohibited to touch it. Many people claim to have an overwhelming feeling to avoid looking at the statue like it doesn't want to be seen. And they also report the overpowering smell of pond water. The few individuals that do look at it report to experience a sensation of eyes burning. I'm and looking at its picture right now on Google Pictures, and it it's making me very uncomfortable. Maybe you should not look at it. Okay, I'm, let me just exit out of this. I can't exit out. I can't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just well, he kidding. Got jokes. <laughs> In June 2016, the museum hosted a 24-7 live video feed of the crone to viewers online. Many who watched the live stream reported to have experienced power outages, electronic equipment failures, and the sensation of eyes burning, the scent of pound water, and in one case, the appearance of the crone. So. Wait, 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 wait. When they talked about the crone statue on Two Girls, One Ghost, mm-hmm. they got emails on their next episode, didn't they, from people that were experiencing things after hearing that story? Um, I think so. It's been a while. I'm so pretty sure either it was that one or it was, um, uh, we just cursed our our listeners. It might have been a different thing. It might have been a different podcast. I, I made so. it. It might have been a different artifact in that one, but I could swear that I remember, like them getting somebody getting emails about like people experiencing things after listening to the story. So the woman that experienced a crone visiting her um, explained her experience. Uh, She was a regular on the museum's live video feed chat, so she was familiar with Greg and Dana. After watching the live feed, she dreamt that an old woman was whispering to her, telling her that she fed the missing nails from the crucifix to Greg while he slept, which explains (gasps) how he had 
stomach Holy pains. Shit. Yeah. And the thing is, like, that this lady, what's her name? I don't think I wrote her name. But she would not have known about that because Greg didn't share that information. He was just saying, like, within the few days of owning the, the crone, he experienced stomach pains. And this lady's basically saying, an old woman in my dream told me that she fed you the missing nails from the crucifix. Did so, he get surgery or did he get... Oh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they might not have been like the real nails. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't he know. passed them and it was like corn in your poop. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I ate that. I ate that two weeks so ago. Annoying. He's like, oh, yeah, I ate those nails. It's fine. Whatever. You're annoying. Why? Because I talk about my, my poop, my corn in my poop. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to... I love corn, okay? Stop. I'm going to edit that out. So she was woken up around 4.40 a.m. to the weight of someone sitting on her back. She felt like someone was straddling her to the point where she could feel each leg on the side, on each side of her body. Um, she ended her email to Greg and Dana saying, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt, as I know you will. Just wanted to share why I'm not going back to sleep tonight. For my daughter's sake, I have to be a bit cautious. I have brought home strays, strays before unknowingly. I have learned to ignore at and listen to spirits as needed. But that one was so specific, I wanted to tell you. She's very proud of that. So basically, the crone wanted her to tell Greg and Dana. Wow. Now, going back to that, uh, so she does make a really good point. So I think I was watching some ghost, uh, ghost program on some television network a while back. And it was like the guy was talking about how like when you go ghost hunting, it's basically like walking through a, a spider web. You know, when you walk through a spider web, you feel it on your face and you're like trying to like get it off and stuff that um, if you walk through that spider web and you walk away, like the web's still on you. So those ghosts follow you home. It's like being tethered to some place that you went to go visit mm. and there's invisible tethers that have you. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's still no information on where the statue came from or who created it. It's theorized that the statue may be possessed by a Babylonian demon that is associated with water. Pond water and tadpoles. Exactly. Um, psychics that have met the statue claim that it was created to house inhuman spirits. Some also believe that it was a cursed item used to blind a particular victim. A well-known medium named April Slaughter from Alton, Illinois, believes that uh, what resides in the crone is an it and not a she. This further reinforces that it's an inhuman entity. She also claimed that the crone knew she could see it and it wasn't happy. Something else that I... Oh, okay. So this is something that I did my own research on. Um, something else that I found was that the crone statue may be a Nkondi. The pearl being uh, Minkondi. Uh, these are a subclass of Nkisi, plural being Minkisi. They are objects that spirits inhabit created by the Congo people throughout the Congo Basin in Central Africa. Uh, this includes the modern-day countries of the Republic of Congo, Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Central African Republic, Angola, Zambia, and Tanzania. So these objects eventually pass into the Americas through the Atlantic slave trade, which is why it might, which, which is why it might be in the U.S. So a Nkondi is a Nkisi that holds spirits that are considered to be aggressive. They are described to be made of carved wood with nails or pieces of metal stuck into their bodies. This is meant to activate the spirits in the Nkondi. 
Um, missionary literature never described Minkisi with nails, so it's possible that adding nails to the Minkindi was actually a response to European colonialism. Uh, side note, nails are often used in voodoo practices to tether or curse unsuspecting victims. Have you ever heard of like voodoo practitioners? Like right, yeah. the victims, like, they find like a nail in their yeah. clothes or uh-huh. something and that if they touch it, it gets really, really hot. Yeah. Um, so individuals among the Bakango and Songye people known as um, Banganga are said to harness the power of Menkisi to work as healers and diviners who defend the living against black magic. Min, uh, Minkondi, on the other hand, are used to harness malevolent and aggressive spirits, usually for the purpose of hunting down criminals or avenging victims of said criminals. The difference between the traditional Minkondi and the crone is that the numerous nails in the Minkondi are located all over the body of the wooden figures, compared to the crone's six nails solely located in its eye sockets. To this day, we don't know who created the crone or for what purpose. You know what the crone looks like to me? Mm. The Moai from Easter Isle. Mm. Okay. Like the carving of the nose and the forehead. I was just looking at a picture of it, and that's what it reminded me of as well. Mm-hmm. Was that it? I mean, did you understand that last section? Yes. So, like, all of the Minkondi, they only ever have nails around their body. It's like they don't ever touch their face. But for the crone, it only has six nails on its face, specifically in its eye sockets. And then it doesn't like to be looked at? I wonder if that's, like... Yeah. So, it might be, like... Some, so in a lot of like philosophies, like if you do something that's like taboo or, or like bastardized, like a symbolism, like um, for the longest time, the pentagram, the upright pentagram, was considered a positive symbol in uh, philosophy or like Christianity. But when you invert it, invert it is when you like insult it kind of yeah that's kind of why like demons tend to like knock three times because it's an insult to the holy trinity so i think this may be like an example of it like they're only they only ever put nails in the eye sockets well also think about like the saying that the eyes are the windows to the soul i wonder if that has anything to do with it too Mm -hmm. are they trying to say that it doesn't have a soul or to keep it locked in there Uh uh-huh yeah Wow, great things to think about. Bedtime stories. Just girly things. Just girly things. So are we good or do you have anything else you want to talk about? What do you mean are we good? Am I bothering you? Like are we done? I'm sorry, I'm sweating. I have to get up. Yeah, that was the end of my story. Okay. That's it? I mean, do you have anything else to share? Uh, no. Okay, damn. I feel like I need to go meditate about this because I'm scared now. Yeah. After the, like I was telling you, like after, after I was doing my research yesterday, it sounded like someone was like walking around the house, but you were like in the other room. Yeah. So. I don't know. I kind of heard it too. And I just assumed it was you, but you were on the bed in the other room. So sorry for cursing you guys. Yeah. Sorry that it's going to appear. Sorry that an old lady is going to put her wet feet on your back. On the back of your couch. Get it right. But then that lady says that she was on her back. She could oh, feel yeah. her. True. What the fuck does this this crone have? It has a 
an obsession with feet. It sounds like muddy feet. What do you feet mean? on the couch. Feet on the back. That's how she walks. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, but it's like when the when Danny and his friends saw her, she was like wet, like like squatting in the corner next to a bookcase with big feet. It's like big look, feet. Look at my feet. Look at my feet. Hmm. Very strange. You're gonna get us haunted. <gasps> shut the fuck up. Fucking rude. No, shut the fuck up. You're gonna get haunted. I'm moving out. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Please, Please follow us on Instagram at Guest Boogie Podcast and on Twitter at Guest Boogie Pod. Also, email us any story suggestions or your own scary stories at guestbookypodcast at gmail.com. Q U E S P O O K Y P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Special thanks to Cody Barnes, Taylor Turner for the artwork, and Kyle Fields for the intro music. And to our special live guests today, Midori and Ivanise. True. Now let's eat those hot Cheetos, those hot fries. Yeah. Bye.